Welcome to episode 124. Uh, we had a minor mishap after the last show. We'll talk about that in just one second. Uh, let's start with talking about sleep number for one second. I have a sleep number bed. I love it. Cooler or warmer, you decide. Any bed, any side. Really what it is, you can get this thing and put it on any type of bed. It doesn't have to be a sleep number bed. And you've heard me talk about my sleep number and how much it's improved my sleep. But now they have this, it's called the all-new dual temp individual layer. And you can just put it on your bed. Cooler or warmer, you decide. Just add the dual temp layer to either side of the bed. And sleep up to 35% cooler or warmer than your partner or even yourself. You can cool it up. The dual temp layer can be added to any mattress brand. Again, it does not have to be a sleep number. My sleep number setting, because I do have the bed too, was uh, is 30. My sleep IQ score last night was in the 90s. Finally, the blissful cooling comfort that you deserve at a comfortable price. Go on now and feel the temperature difference for yourself. You'll only find the dual temp layer at sleepnumber.com or any of the 550 sleep number stores nationwide. Visit sleepnumber.com slash bones to find the store nearest you. There you go. Mm. So what happened is we had Maddie Poppy in, and we've never tried to record two back-to-back real quick. Yeah. Because Caleb Lee Hutchinson, who finished second on American Idol, was here in the room. They're dating, and so they've been running around together. Because I was like, Caleb, let's hop up and do a Bobby cast. So we did it. It's about a half hour. And I go down, because the show is done in my house, and I walk downstairs into the kitchen, prepare me a little dinner, healthy, portion size, pretty perfect, had my water, uh, you know, I put my, my hydration tablets in there, and as just I'm about to embark on a nice meal, Mike D comes down and goes, hey dude, we lost the whole podcast. I said, what do you mean? He goes, oh, I don't know, computer crashed. And so I saw a little distress in your face there. Yeah. So we lost the Caleb Bobby cast forever. Of every episode we've done, it finally happened. And I was pretty wrecked about it. So we had, we had a, a learning moment there was, ah, we should probably just record it at the same time by two different things. So that, that happened last week. Uh, so there is no Caleb Bobby cast. And Caleb, if you're listening to this, sorry, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> feel bad. Yeah, we'll, we'll get another one. But Maddie Poppy finished first. Kayla finished second. His Bobby cast does not exist. You know, I've been spending a little time with them the past few days. You know, since I did the show, they come to my town. And so I was like, hey, will you do some events? And I said, sure. So we did the Bobby cast. And that was on me. I asked Maddie to come up here and do that. And we're doing a thing tomorrow, which is Sunday. I think I have four total events with them. Um, I, you know, it's funny to see how they, they change. Because when they go into the show, those two specifically... When they go into the show, neither of them really had the confidence that they were going to make it far on the show, much less have a real career in music. And so what happens is, and what happened to them, I saw two people that had absolutely no self-esteem when it comes to you know, doing music on a major level. Then you get in that bubble of American Idol where you don't really have relationships outside of the show, so you start to think that you're the most famous person in the world slowly every week mm-hmm. because all you're reading is your socials and people loving you. And it goes from 1,000 to 200,000 people loving you. And you're like, I'm a big deal now. This is crazy. And then it's back to the low of getting off the show. And you kind of have to start over again. And so, you know, it's going to be tough for them. Because I was telling Caleb, and it's not here, you know, you have an advantage that you have some notoriety. But when you come to town in Nashville, there's a bit of a disadvantage because you're the person that came from the singing show. And so, and especially because I don't, or any of the TV shows, it's been a tough run as of late to have anyone follow through. 
Idol's been better at the voice. Like, who's made up from the voice? I can't think of one person. I can name a ton of idols. Yeah. But from the voice, that's a tough one. Like, Cassidy's from the voice. The only one I can think of, yeah. Danielle Bradbury's from the voice. But, you know, right now, you know, they're at these crossroads points of their career. Who else from the voice, though, can you even name? I'm looking at a list right now, and I don't even remember them. And you know why? Because that show is about the judges. Yeah. It's really about the relationships between Blake and Adam, which is why neither one of those two ever leave. You'll see some seasons where some of the judges go away for a while. You know, Christina Aguilera comes and goes. She's done now, I think, for sure. Miley comes and goes. Jennifer Hudson. Alicia Keys. Alicia Keys. Like, those chairs can change. Kelly Clarkson now. But the Blake and the Adam, I don't believe has changed since they've started because that's what people watch for, and they do research on these things. And so that show is about the judges. American Idol, although they do have big judges, and Simon Cowell was a big part of that, especially early, people watched to see what Simon was going to say about the contestants, not just to see what Simon was going to say about his day. And so with Idol, you know, it's been much more of a performer-based show. And I do think coming off Idol, you have a better shot than coming off Voice. But listen, you can get if you get any shot nowadays, take it. Like for sure, I'd want to come off one of the shows as a winner, better than nothing. But you know, they're gonna, they're both gonna have to move to town, and it's gonna be struggle, a struggle. It's gonna be tough, but it's tough for everyone. Like you don't move to this town or any town where there's any sense of create creativity, and it's just easy. If you move to New York and you're on art, imagine trying to break through. You can't. Everybody there is there to do art. You know, L.A., music, acting. So it's going to be tough. But they're both good. Maddie's really good. Like, Maddie's yeah. special <laughs> good. And so Maddie didn't even know she was that good, I don't think. And she came and she played at our show at the Ryman. And she got up and she did a Rainbow Connection. And she sang it in the auditions. And then she performed it with Kermit on the finale. And for someone like Amy, who really didn't watch American Idol this season... She was sitting right next to me when Maddie Poppy was playing, and she goes, oh, my God, she's so good. And I was like, yeah, she's really good. But if you heard that last podcast, you also realize that Maddie's just kind of like doing her thing. Yeah. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, I don't know. I don't want to be in a format. It's like, cool, I love that, but you got to realize if you don't want to be in a format, then it's going to uh, take a while for you to make some money. And you got to eat. I'm not saying you have to sell your soul, but a bit, you have to put down your roots and establish what you are so people can find you. Meaning you don't have to say, I'm going to conform to a specific sound. But if you go to you know, iHeartRadio All Access or Spotify or Apple Music and you type in country, you know, there are a lot of artists that are going to show up. And that's how they get found. You know, some of them may not be as country sounding as others, but they classify themselves in that category simply because they know the audience is looking for that type of music. I mean, you can type in singer-songwriter-ish. Even you can because there are yeah. playlists. That, but again, it's not the same. And so, you know, I'm rooting for him, and I'm, I'm as serious as I can be when I tell him I'll help him as much as I can. So they came in, we lost that, that podcast, which was very sad. More so for Mike. I was like, ah, if we can't get it back, there's really nothing we can do. I mean, I tried every recovery program. I tried to piece together these little bits. It didn't, didn't work. In the end, we'll just do another. Yeah. He was okay. <laughs> He'll be better anyway in another year or so when he moves here. So as I sit here, it's Saturday at about 4.30 p.m. You know, the cool thing about doing the show on a Saturday is there's a lot of new music that 
that comes out on Friday. So I wanted to share three songs that you can stream or download. And I'll go first. Dirk's put out a record, and his record's called The Mountain. I just want to play you part of a song. This one's called My Religion from Dirk Bentley. Here you go. Ain't gonna lie, I've been drinking. That Colorado's got me stoned. And every time I close my eyes, the angels are singing. Loving you ain't my decision. Loving you is my religion. There you go. That's my religion from Dirk Bentley. On that, he has Woman Amen. He has a song with Brothers Osborne called Burning Man. He has a song with Brandy Carlisle. And so I really like the record. It's very much more my type of sound than his last couple of records. And I enjoyed Riser, but I like this one the best. A little more singer songwritery as I just talk about how do you find a singer? <laughs> but he, uh, so that's there. I, I sent Dirks a text, and Dirks is on that list of probably seven to ten artists that I consider close enough to reach out and send a real personal note. And so I listened to his record a couple of times. And you can't really listen to a record once and have a true feel of it. I don't think so anyway. Not for me. I, I hear a whole lot of music. And I listened to the record probably two and a half times. And after the second time, I picked the songs that I really liked and listened to them back again. And I sent him a message, and it was one of those texts that fill up the whole screen. You know, mm-hmm. you get it, and you're like, brrrr, yeah. fills it all up. <laughs> and it was just honest about some things, I mean, in a good way, and just telling him what I liked about him because he's very much a grinder. And he's just been at it. And he's, you know, he put out that Bluegrass record, which kind of set him back a bit. He likes it, he did it, he's proud of the record, but... You know, in his trajectory inside of country music, it hurt him a bit. And so I just told him how much I, you know, appreciated what he did. And this was sonically my favorite album and specifically what I meant about that. So it just wasn't like I was texting him my favorite album. That's a nice note. And it's, you know, I'm trying to reach out and be a little more human to people. And then I see the dreaded misspelling of the word there in the oh, text. No. <laughs> I know. I know. And so what I meant to spell T H E I R. Possession, yeah, possessive form. Mm-hmm. It, uh, I didn't. I spelled it like they are, like an idiot. Oh no! <laughs> Which, if it were me reading, it would have canceled out the whole message. I'd have been like, "Oh, this can't be a, a deep message because you're an idiot." That's what <laughs> I would have thought. So, and but I did the star, and then corrected it before he could hit me back. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> so I sent him that, and oddly, one of the other people in the business that I've become friends with outside of the business is Christian Bush, who is half of Sugarland. And they put out a record. And it's called Let Me Remind You. Here you go. Reckless, in case you forgot, let me remind you. My touch can always find. Follow this my kiss guide. It's time to speak the way love understands. Like a language you never forget. It can show us the way if we let it take us. So I, I really like the record, too. And for a different reason, I guess I listened to because I know Christian, I've written with him before. I really listened to the song Hooks. It's such a hooky record. That Babe song, I think, is the best song on the radio right now. It's a radio song. I mean, it's so hooky. I turn it off, and I can't stop singing it. Now, I don't go search for it to listen to if I'm in my bed lighting my candle, working on the show the next day, or reading the internet. Like, 
I wouldn't say that Babe is personally my favorite song, but when I go one of the best songs on the radio, I mean for the radio. I mean, if I'm flipping through the stations and there's a song on, that song, right now there's nothing on the radio now that's better than Babe from Sugarland. It's upbeat. It's very hooky. It's got freaking Taylor Swift on it. I was reading this whole article, too, about how wealthy Taylor was when she was growing up. Because, you know, her dad, I believe, is like third generation banker. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And listen, you can come from whatever you want. And there's an advantage to coming from money. But I've just seen her work. She works. And you can hate her because she grew up with privilege with money. But a lot of kids with privilege don't work that hard because they have privilege. Like, there's a reason Mike D and I are here right now because we didn't have privilege. We had to work this hard. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and I wrote about it in my new book. I said, hey, we all have our, our crap. You know, we all have our culture that we've had to break out from. And I was just reading this article, Bash and Taylor for Growing Up Rich. And okay, first of all, what does she have to do with how she was born? She can't help it. She can't help that she grew up rich. And then secondly, a lot of kids that grow up rich are just rich. And they don't have some drive inside of them. Uh, so that article irritated me a little bit, that they were hating on Taylor for that. And listen, I'm not the biggest Taylor Swift musical fan. I admire how hard she works more than anything, but I felt like that was kind of unfair. Uh, but my point is that Sugarland album, I love Babe. I love the Sugarland record. I think it's uh, I think it's really good. Yeah, I do. And then Kid See Ghost came out, which is Kanye and Kid Cudi, which if you're just looking on new music and you just see Kid See Ghost, you're really not going to know who that is. Yeah. And so I wonder... Because they were public about they were doing a project and what the name of it was, but I didn't know it was called Kid See Ghost. I knew Kanye and Kid Cudi were doing a record together. I had seen Kid See Ghost. I guess I thought it was a song. I'd heard part of uh, of a song. I don't know if there's a track called Kid See Ghost. I don't think there is, but they they talk about it. Maybe track seven. Yeah. Over and over again. Uh, but it's seven tracks, and here's a song called Reborn. By the way, I'm so- I like this project better than I do Kanye's project. Better than really? Better than Ye, better wow. than Ye or Ye or Ye. <laughs> I do. I, I, I like this project better than the Kanye project. Yeah. Okay. Here's here's Kidsy Ghost reborn. I'm so I'm so reborn. I'm moving forward. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Ain't no stress on me. I feel like Kanye raps better on this record than he does his own. I felt like on his own, he was just letting go of a lot of nutty thoughts he was having about the world, his life, himself. On this one, it's very much more straight-ahead Kanye. Like, if you like Kanye, this is the record for you when Kanye raps. Like, there's a lot of Kid Cudi right here and no Kanye. But, yeah, that's, that's Cudi there. But anyway, I like this project better than I do the Kanye. The Kanye one was all, is all over the place. It's kind of a... I mean, it's nutty. Yeah, it's really grown on me, though. Uh, I've listened to it probably six times. That's it. But it's only seven songs. That's a good thing about it. There are no waste songs. You know, you and I were talking about how someone puts out a record of 12 songs. We listen to it once, and we eliminate songs. So we can really get to what we like. You don't really do this with the seven-song record. You listen to all them multiple times. And then if you dislike them, it's easier. Um, but yeah, that, those are the three songs that I would uh, recommend streaming there. We had a big week because it was CMA week. And we did our radio show at the Ryman, which, if you're not in Nashville, it's where the Opry started. It's the most historical stage in country music. Anybody that's everybody's ever played there, even rock bands. I mean, if you come to Nashville, that's really the place to play. And so we did a radio show at the Ryman. And I was nervous because we don't do our show out places. 
Well, we haven't done that in 10 years, I don't think. Can you think of the last time we did a full show out somewhere? No, I can't remember one. <laughs> and you've been with the show in, in a capacity or another for the last nine. Yeah. Can you remember another show where we just went and sat up and did the show? Not since I've been around. Yeah. So for me, I don't like to be out of our normal environment because we don't act normally. Take us out of our normal spot, we don't act normal. And really, I thought there would be a lot of cases of squirrel by the rest of the show. (laughs) There are people walking around. There are people in the seats. And I think we had 1,500 or so people wake up early and come and watch the show. And so I was nervous because we're all sitting at tables. Luckily, we had some live performances there, so it wasn't just us doing our shtick up there and talking about stuff. But uh, I thought it went really well. And so for me, I was nervous about technically it not sounding good, about, you know, we were uh, having to plug in instruments, do level. I mean, it was just a whole thing from a, a place we weren't used to doing it from. But I thought it was good, and I was happy that a lot of listeners, I mean, I think 1,500 people got to come and watch that show. So that was cool, something we've never done before. I don't know that I'm going to do it any more than once a year, but for me to be able to walk in, because we did two hours of the show, so we, we did the show, drove over, walked right on the stage, and continued the show for two hours, and nothing for nothing to break and for there to be no disasters, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah that's pretty good. There's some cool clips up, too. Chris Jansen played. Both the, the folks from American Idol played. Cassie Ashton played. Uh, so we did that. The City of Hope softball game was this morning, and I went and played it... Um, this morning were you you were there yeah it was hot huh it was really hot miserable and here's the thing too i a bit i still feel like somewhat of an athlete but if you don't practice your skills are dead i think i swung and missed three times a day just straight up missed the, and i used to be a pretty good softball player when i was young i was a good baseball player but um we ended up tied at the end of the real game we played an extra inning and then we ended up losing but the property brothers were there and they're pretty nice guys i've gotten to know them a bit over the past few years I don't watch that show, so I don't know them from that show. I know that people yell at them, and so they must be a pretty big deal at the level people scream their name. That's how you can tell how big somebody is, how loud and how shrieky people get about (laughs) them. So they'll walk in and be like, oh, Drew! I'm like, okay, they must be a really big deal to some people. But they're both nice guys, and I told the one that was on the blue team, we're on the red team, I said, hey, if I had a home run... Can I get a free backyard makeover? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know if he thought that was funny or not. I thought it was pretty funny. But they were nice guys. Out there today, there was a Canadian country guy named Brett Kissel who played catcher, who's a pretty good athlete. There was the, the duo Smithfield, who I don't really know their music. I've heard one of their songs on satellite a little bit. It's called Hey, Whis- hey Whiskey. Is that yeah. Who's this song? <laughs> So they were on my team, and one of them's last name is Smith, and the other's last name is Fielder. Fiedler. Huh? Fiedler. Are you sure? Yeah. Fiedler. Yeah. She said her jersey was misspelled. So really? that's not Fielder? Field? Fielder. Huh. But it's Smithfield, right? Yeah. Fielder. Why wouldn't they? So why would they name it not her name? I don't know. But you went to high school with her? Yeah. Would she recognize you if she was sitting in this room? No way. No? No. Because you never said anything to anybody? Never said anything to anybody and probably look a lot different than I did in high school. Was she cool? Oh, yeah. Probably, mm, if not the most popular girl in school, top three. How big was your class? 
Uh, it was like 300 people. Was he at your school? No. So they met after high school? Mm-hmm. Was she a singer in school? Yeah. She sang at the talent show. Won it. And was she a really good singer in school? Like, did they go, oh, yeah, that's... Yeah, best singer in school? Sarah? Uh, Jennifer. Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer Fedler. Fiedler. You may look up that last name. I know unless you went to high school. Pro- unless you pronounce it all the way through high school. Why do they call her name Smithfield if her name's not Field? I don't know. That's weird. I know. Yeah, so anyway, I met them. Um, spent some time with them today, but all I kept thinking was, you went to high school with Mike D. I wonder <laughs> if you know him. But I didn't know you guys were out there today. Did you guys stay up for the whole game? Yeah. <laughs> too odd. Jay Cutler, the quarterback. Well, he used to be the quarterback. Last season, the Dolphins, but he retired before that. Was the quarterback of the Bears. Before that, Broncos played for Vanderbilt, and so he was out there. I don't think he said many words to anybody, but no, he's notoriously quiet. Mm. Um, but yeah, he played. He's a big dude, and you see, he's not big in terms of compared to other NFL players. You don't look at him when he's on the field and go, oh, "That's a big dude." But but next to normal people, he's really big. So look up Jay Cutler's height and weight because he's a thick dude. It's like when I met Eli Manning, and Eli Manning was so freaking big, and I thought, man, you look little on the screen compared to those other players. He's 6'3", 233. So 6'3", 230, he's, you know, two and a half, three inches taller than me. I'm, he's 70 pounds bigger than I am, and he's not fat. And so he played on the other team, ended up getting the hit to win the game. Uh, so the first time I'd ever spent any time with him, although I think I'm going to be on his reality show coming up when it comes out in the fall, maybe, on E! Mm. Because him and his wife, I think it's mostly about his wife, have a reality show. And one of her best friends was like, hey, will you be in my storyline? And I was like, what does that mean? And it was way before Idol or anything that would have said, hey, you can't go on another network. Because what happens is you go on one network and they put these walls around you where during the time you're with them, you can't do other stuff. Especially if it's a big project. I would have never got to do the E stuff if I would already been in talks. And there have been a couple shows I've had to turn down, oddly, in the past two months. Big shows. Because of other network relationships. Me, I'm just excited to get a show offer. And someone came and said, hey, we're going to give you this. And it's a bunch of money per episode. And I was like, I got to turn it down. I couldn't believe it. I had to turn down a show that a year ago I'd have been begging for. I can't say what it is yet. But I don't know if I'll ever be able to say what it is. I probably. But yeah, that's been a pretty weird thing for me. Um, so, Matt J. Cutler. I wonder if there's anybody else worth mentioning. Have you seen anybody out there that you thought was cool? Because hmm. what happens is the charity softball game... It used to be a big, big, big deal where the biggest stars would come out and play. But now they're scheduling other events at the same time. And so there are 11 stages happening at the same time as the softball game. So everything gets diluted, including the softball game. But I did that today. It's pretty hot. A lot of fun. I just like playing ball. I like getting out there. It makes me go, hmm, I should get in the league. And I feel that way for at least two or three hours. <laughs> and then I come home and like, I'm, I'm good. That's fine. I got that in my system. Had to buy a new glove last night, though. Went to Lauren Elena's fan club party. And... The good thing about this CMA Fest is that, you know, the Raging Idiots aren't a thing, and my book doesn't come out for two weeks, so I don't have anything to promote. So I got to go out and do events for other people. So I went, I mean, I would never host a fan club party because I would be doing stuff that I wouldn't need to be doing, uh, but I'm close with Lauren, and so I went out and hosted that. She had a onesie party. I did not have a onesie. I was the one without a onesie. But I was like, what do you mean to do? Go buy a onesie? What do you mean go, go buy a, a hippopotamus? <laughs> Come out and talk for 10 minutes. Did that, and then I did Luke Bryan's interview. He asked me to come out and interview him about 
American Idol. So I went and did that, and Maddie Poppy came out for that. So um, CMA Fest Week is just it's very intense around here just because all the artists are in town. There are a thousand different events. Every service from you know us at iHeartRadio to Amazon to Spotify, everybody has their own stages. Every artist feels like they have to do every single stage because if they don't, someone's going to feel left out. So all the artists are exhausted. Um, if you're a fan, it really is a great time to come to town, though, because you get to see so much. And then, of course, the big stadium show, which it used to just be all about that. Now, that's just kind of a thing. As It's not even, it's the main thing, but it's not such the main thing that it dominates everything yeah. else. You could come all day and go to all the free stuff, and then just have dinner and go to bed at night yeah. <laughs> and be just fine. Yeah. But that's cool that the, the CMAs have you know, allowed that. Uh, let's see. Let me talk about, oh, Bombas. Now, this is cool because how often do you think about your socks? If you're like I used to be, probably not that much. But there are socks that are really awesome. They're called Bombas, B-O-M-B-A-S. Bombas are what I think, at least when I look at my sock drawer, the most comfortable sock that I have. They're made from premium cotton. They stay warm in the winter, cool in the summer, and every pair comes in with a built-in blister tab, an innovative arch support, and stay-up technology, which is important, too, especially if you're moving around. There's a seamless toe. You get that seam in your toes, and you can't separate your toes. Many colors, patterns, length styles. Bombas look great in the gym, at the office, and out of town. Bombas are what feet daydream about, and with every purchase you make, Bombas donate a pair to someone in need which is a great thing. So keep cool, keep comfortable, and keep contributing with the best socks in the history of feet. Bombas, buy your Bombas at bombas.com slash bones. B-O-M-B-A-S, bombas.com slash bones. You'll get 20% off your first purchase. Bombas.com slash bones. Do the slash bones thing too, because one, you'll get the 20% off, but two, it helps us and helps them be a sp- continue to be a sponsor. But they are great. Bombas.com slash bones. There. I was reading the story about Anthony Bourdain and you know, he died. That news came out on Friday morning when we were at the Ryman. Mm-hmm. And I like to not talk about it on the show because we were in this environment that was very uplifting. And there are a lot of people in front of us. It wasn't normal talking place. So I didn't talk about him killing himself there. Probably will have been on the show Monday just because it is a, a big news story. I watched some of the CNN retrospective and uh, the special they did for him. But, you know, and everyone has different feelings about suicide and oh he had everything or did he have nothing here's my thing never be surprised about anyone's personal life because there's a reason you don't know about it it's personal so when you do know about it don't be surprised i might be into you know licking mike d's feet that might be my (laughs) thing and you just don't know about it when it comes out don't be surprised might be (laughs) <laughs> probably I probably am and so I don't know what he was going through the fact that someone has money and you think oh well they have it all figured out now I can tell you from experience I grew up really poor and now I'm not poor anymore there's really nothing inside of my core that's any different and so I don't know what demons he was dealing with so to think that someone because they're rich or because they have a good job isn't feeling happy sad mad who knows? I, you know, they say that they found that bathrobe belt, and that's what he hung himself with in a hotel room in France. And so you start to play P.I. and go, well, it didn't really seem like that was something he thought about well in advance. Like he may have been depressed. I don't, again, I don't know what he's dealing with, but 
that's not something he planned for a while to do it in France. You know, so I was watching somebody on the news go, well, he's probably planning to do this for a long time. If you're planning to do this for a long time, you don't do it in France with a bathrobe belt. You probably do it a little more efficiently. So, you know, and then they say, hey, call this phone number. I've always thought, man, if I were in a place like that, the last thing I'm going to do is call a phone number. Like if I were, and I'm glad they do it because there could be a small percentage of people that do see it and call it. But I'm thinking about me. And I would go, if I were in a really deep, dark place, I'm not calling an 800 number. And I may not even know I'm in that deep, dark of a place either. What I think the 800 number is great for, one, I'm happy they're doing it because there could be a small percentage of people that do call that number. But where I think they're missing a bit of the marketing on getting that message out is for people to call that number who think someone they know and someone they love is dealing with depression. Because let's say, I was like, I'm worried about Mike D. It's like, hey, if you have a friend you think is, you call this number, we'll talk to you about you know, what you're seeing and how you can help them. And I think that's as much of the pitch to putting the number out there as it is, mm-hmm. hey, call this number if you're not feeling normal, if you're feeling sad, feeling like there's no... I think that they should really emphasize that number to people who are concerned about someone else. I don't ever see it like that, and they might be. I don't know. Have you ever seen it pitched as that? I think like one time in school we had a presentation where they presented it that way. Of like, hey, if your friend's going through something, you can look into this number and get help from them too. And maybe they're doing it now, but I I haven't seen it. Mm -hmm. But I just know when I see it, I go, one, I don't know what anybody's doing in their personal life ever. Ever. So for me to go, oh, I just, I can't believe it. I didn't really know him. Sucks. I don't know what what was happening to make him feel that way. I don't feel that way, so I don't truly understand it. So how am I going to judge it? Like, I don't know what it feels like to be depressed. I think my mom was depressed. She had a a really bad drug problem. And I think it depressed her that she couldn't fix it. And when I would talk to her about it, I couldn't quite understand it because I hadn't been through it. For the same reason I won't go to a therapist that hasn't been through a lot of the similar crap that I've been through, at least a form of it, because I don't feel like they understand. I think they have the best intentions. I think they've studied the right things to study, but I don't know if they fully understand the insides of what I'm going through. And I need that, which is why I say I would never go to a priest for marriage advice. Never been married. Why would I go to somebody who's never been married tell me how to be married? So I would like to see them take that number and with the money they put in spreading the number. And again, I'm just one guy. But I think also the message is, hey, if you know somebody that's struggling, you should call too and talk. And let's talk about what you're seeing and what you can do to help. So, you know what? yeah, and, and the stories, you just read all the stories about the guy, and they're like, well, look how happy he was two days ago, dancing around. Well, either it hits you, again, because I don't know, either it hits you, and it's such a hard, deep hole of a hit that you decide, well, I'm just going to do it, or you're faking it in this video. Where, where, you see the one where he's dancing around? He's, it's like as they're shooting. Either way, we just don't know what anyone's going through ever. This situation, or happiness, or... In some, in the doors of someone's house or the skull of someone's head. We just don't know what's happening. So that's what I had to say about that. I was also reading a story about Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg. They're fighting about if AI is good. And this is where I really nerd out. And I didn't lead with this because I thought I would do a whole hour on yeah. it if I did. And so Mark Zuckerberg sees artificial intelligence as being a good thing. You develop... It thinks, it creates, the world is a better place. 
Elon Musk sees it as a bad thing, where eventually it's going to be more volatile than nuclear weapons. Like you just don't know, and all of a sudden, boom, the AI kills us all. We're done. Now, I wonder where you fall on the spectrum, Mike D. Do you think artificial intelligence will inevitably be a great thing for society or an awful thing? I think it's a great thing. Why so? Just because, I mean, I don't think robots could take over the world like they say they would. Like Terminator 2? Yeah, like, like I don't think it could turn into that. It seems so crazy in sci-fi. Or far more different than T2, the story of T1, Terminator 1, or Terminator 3. <laughs> I guess it's pretty much the only... Here's the thing. I am more on the Elon Musk side. Really? But hear me out. We will develop artificial intelligence. It will happen. I think it's going to be what creates the world to end. Mm -hmm. I don't know how it does it, just looking at the logical line. So here's what will happen in my mind. We create AI. So we build these machines to think as human as possible and do things. And so first what happens is all of the jobs that require any sort of labor – are wiped out because why would you hire someone when you could hire a robot to do it 10 times as fast and a hundred times more efficient you're seeing it now in restaurants you go to gas stations you know sometimes we're on the road oh yeah and you go and you're like i'll take this wrap this right push the button and there's one person back there though that's doing all the work there used to be seven people so as this technology develops the jobs that will require more think more uh the jobs that we'll need more of are thinking jobs because robots won't be able to think by themselves. We'll have to teach them how to think. The labor jobs will go to the robots. And the creators, the artists, the poets, the songwriters, the music makers, those will be the jobs in demand and the ones that really make all the money. I don't, don't get me started on athletes, too. They're gonna be, it's going to be all robots playing each other. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm not talking about five years from now. Okay. Self-driving everything. Everything. So you're already having it now. Yeah. And so... What will happen is we will develop AI. It will get better and better and better. And we'll go, wow, this is amazing. We don't have to do anything anymore. But what do we do when we have something good? Ruin it. We try to make it better. Yeah. We're always trying to make something good better. There's never a point where anything is so good we're like, we're good. Yeah. Just leave it right here. Yeah. There's always a point where it overflows the cup. You try to get just enough Coke in your fountain drink where it's sick, falls over the top. We just push it to the end. So what will happen with artificial intelligence is we will continue to develop it until it goes bad. And when it goes bad, it goes real bad. And we teach them to think like us. We teach them to think with us. They start thinking for themselves in capacities that we can't. And then eventually they, they don't kill us to take over the world. They just kill us. They kill everything. I believe we will teach them to the point where we can't control them. We'll teach them everything that we know then they'll learn how to learn without us, and they'll learn more than us. And what happens when you know more than something? You kill it. Look at us and bugs. Why do we kill bugs in our house? We're smarter than them. We're bigger than them. We squash them. That's it. We don't like bugs. <laughs> we bugs get squashed by robots. Bugs didn't do anything to us. <laughs> and so I'm on the Elon Musk side of things that AI will eventually kill us all unless we regulate the crap out of it. And even then... Just like Dolly was cloned, there'll be some you know, black market AI happening, and it, is, it won't be good. We've done it with weapons. What? It's just a cycle of everything. Yeah. That's how this earth will end. We'll, we'll be killed by something that we caused, either AI or the environment, to go sour. It does make me think of that um, Black Mirror episode 
Which one? With the robot dog. Oh like, yeah, the, for it, like military and like yeah, they developed like these security dogs basically, and the dogs are so good they just start killing everybody. Yeah. But they are these dogs are happening now. Like they show them. Yeah. As soon as that net, that uh, uh, Black Mirror episode comes on and these people try to go into a warehouse because the apocalypse, whatever that means, has happened. They're going into a warehouse to get something. I guess I don't want to ruin the show, but it turns out they have these little armed security dogs that are protecting it. But these dogs don't stop, and, and how do, you don't kill it. It's hard to kill. They finally figure out a way to kill it, which mm-hmm. is you know a power source. But yeah, uh, and then you get online two days later, and they go, "Yeah, that, that episode was cute. We already have these <laughs> that we're developing. <laughs> Watch this robot we built open and close the door." Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, that happened. So I think that was um, a lot from this week. What's up? Do you, what, you see any movies this week? Uh, I watched, started watching an older movie or came out last year, The Disaster Artist, James Franco. You haven't seen that yet? No. I would think that would be right up your... I haven't seen it either, but I would think you being you know, kind of nerdy and... I never got around to seeing it, so I'm watching it now. Because it's a remake or it's like a... Bi- it's, well, a it's a story scene about... scene about a director? Yeah, he made a movie back in the day called The Room, and then it's the story about how he made that movie. Is it good? It's good so far, yeah. But the movie's like known as like the worst movie of all the time. The room is. Yeah. Not the disaster artist. Yeah. Hmm. What's up with the what's up with that girl back home? Uh going well, yeah. You guys still talking every day on We talk every day, yeah. FaceTime. You still FaceTime every day? Not every day. Every like few days we'll huh. FaceTime. And so she's coming up here? Yeah. On uh July sixth, so that July fourth weekend. And she's staying at your place? Uh she's getting a hotel. Oh she is? Yeah. Did you get furniture for your place yet? No. <laughs> Did you get my furniture out of the house? I'm going to get it, yeah. i got to get a truck. And how are you going to get a truck? Uh, who, who has a truck? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think you can rent them. Yeah, yeah, you can rent a truck. You get like a small U-Haul truck. Yeah, I'll probably do that. But like I don't even have hot water in my place right now. Still? Yeah. <laughs> they I, just delivered portable showers. <laughs> to what, your house? To our, our apartment complex. Wait, so what happened with the hot water? Uh, there was a gas leak. And they're like, we don't know how long it's going to take to fix this. We're bringing in portable showers. Mm, you can always use one of mine. I have plenty that I don't use. <laughs> hmm. Well, are you still on Bumble since you have this girl? No. She's taking you off Bumble? Yeah. Wow. It's big. Yeah. You sent her pictures of your ding dong? No. <laughs> oh. All right. I was, you know, I mentioned I'd set up the first part of a Bumble profile. I just couldn't go through with it yet. And not for any sort of judgment, because I think eventually I'll get on it. One, I didn't want to be the old guy on Bumble. I'm 38. That's not old to be on Bumble. <laughs> it feels old to be on Bumble. And then secondly, I wanted to make sure everybody knew that I was publicly going on Bumble, so a screenshot of me on Bumble wasn't getting passed around going, oh, look who's on Bumble. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wonder what he's doing on Bumble. So I just wanted to say it for a while before I actually went on. So no one thought I was like on the sly, you know, bumbling people. You just see the screenshot on Twitter. Oh, it'd be passed around everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And so that's the deal. Oh, at the softball game today, there was, I won't say who it was, but uh, artist was in front of me and we were signing things walking in and he was signing more things than me because he's cooler than I am as far as to the people. Cause I mean, really some people care about me, but not really, but all the people cared about this person. And so someone, as he was walking through, grabbed his shoulder, and they grabbed him to try to hold him so he'd sign something, but you can't grab people. Yeah. And so he turns, 
a little angry and goes, whoa, you can't grab me. Well, then the fan, a couple of the fans got mad like, yo, dude, we're just trying to get you to sign something. So here's what I want to say about that is that if someone's eating, you don't bother them. If it's someone like uh, someone you want to get an autograph from or a picture, if they're with their kids, you don't bother them. But you can never physically touch someone in any circumstance that they don't want to be physically touched. Ever. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about artists. I'm talking about people in general yeah. of all sorts. <laughs> and I saw them get mad. I saw the artists get mad that they grabbed them. And I thought, man, I probably would have got irritated too. I don't know how I would have shown that irritation. And I don't think he thought much about it. He just, someone grabbed him and he was like, whoa, you don't grab people. So I know that you want to get autographs from people. I know you want to get pictures because I do too. I'm the same way. Hey, let me get a picture. I do it all the time. But you can't physically restrain someone to do it. That's kidnapping. (laughs) (laughs) And so I felt bad for the artist because he ended up kind of looking like a douche. Because he was like, whoa, what are you doing? Cause, but really, he wasn't a douche. You can't grab someone. And so that's my two and a half rules. Rule one, yeah. no, you can't go up to somebody other eating food. One, they don't want to touch anything. They're, they're touching their food. Yeah. And they want to get a picture because they got food in their face and their they're mouth. And they, they, they got to be like, <laughs> well, hold on, let me swallow. Let me get a drink of water. So that's a weird thing, especially if they're at dinner with friends. You never go up. Don't go up bother them while they're in the middle of something. Wait for them. That's fine. You should tell everybody all the time that you're a fan of them because I do it. And I say it as, as a fan of people. And then you throw with their kids. You don't. And then um, you don't grab anybody ever. It's not even a, a celebrity thing. You just don't just grab anybody. People in general you just don't, don't grab, grab anyone because I saw it today and I felt bad for them. And you have to also understand that artists, they don't have to sign things and take pictures. It's good that they do. I hope that they do. Like, I know, as my grandma would say, where my bread is buttered, and that's what the people that listen to this podcast or listen to the show, because I really do not have a single talent that's all that great. I really don't. My talent is, for some reason, people listen, and they go, I kind of understand that guy. He's a little nutty, but I kind of understand where he's coming from with a lot of his thoughts. So for me, I'm all about the people. But for someone, and I'm going to use someone as an example that is awesome to their fans, so I don't use someone who's not... But like Luke Bryan loves his fans. But I'll use Luke Bryan as an example. He doesn't have to go out and sign autographs after a show or he doesn't have to go out and take pictures after a show. He does because he wants to. It's a little extra. But you can't be mad at somebody when they're doing extra. You can't grab Luke Bryan by the hair and go, hold, you haven't mm-hmm. done me yet. Like, man, <laughs> I, was up, I was irritated for this person. And I, just mostly because he looked like a douche and it wasn't his fault. And trust me, if there's anyone that looks like a douche a lot, it's me. <laughs> All right, so there's that. Uh, thank you so much. This has been a week. If you like these weekend episodes where you just kind of catch up on the week, always hit me up. Let me know because we'll keep doing them if so. We also can look at the data and see the, the amount that they're yeah. streamed and downloaded. But that's not always you know, all the ingredients. We like to know if you like it. Uh, and thanks to Sleep Number. And also thanks to Bombas, our sponsor, bombas.com slash bones. Trust me on the socks. Socks are like refrigerators and car tires. You really hate spending money on them, but if you get bad ones, you're like, oh, I should have spent better money on it. Those are the things. And take care of your teeth and your knees. Those are things, too. (laughs) As I get to be an adult, I realize this stuff. By the way, my book comes out on June 19th. If you pre-order it now, you may hear this after the 19th, but you can probably get it on the 19th. If not, I hope you get it and check it out. It's called Fail Until You Don't. What's crazy is the book sales for my first book have skyrocketed because... 
people go looking to pre. And they're like, oh, I haven't read the first one yet. I'll look at that. Oh, dang. It's been crazy. Yeah. Never thought I'd write one book, much less. T- I never thought I would write a book. So it's like when movies come out, you want to see part one before part two yeah. comes out. You're like, oh, Deadpool 2 looks really good. Yeah. Wait, but I haven't seen Deadpool 1. Let me go check it out. <laughs> and this second one's really not any sort of, you know, part two. I mean, I guess kind of it is. But, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's called Fail Until You Don't. Uh, bombas.com slash bones. B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash bones. Thank you so much. Hope your uh, weekend or rest of your week goes wonderfully. And this is episode number... 124. 124 of the Bobbycast. Who's coming up? Do we know who's coming up next? Do we have any idea? Uh, we have, like, Brett in a couple weeks. Brett Eldridge. And... I talked to Liz Rose, who has is part of the Love Junkies. Wrote Girl Crush. Wrote... Uh, a lot of big songs and also wrote a bunch of hits with Taylor Swift early on and today at the game she was like I want to come to the Bobbycast I'm jealous I'm going to be honest with you I see other people doing it and I'm jealous and I said well we stay pretty backed up you know people try to get in a couple months I said but come on uh, so she'll come on we're going to call her on Monday we got uh, High Valley coming up too our first dual episode (laughs) and what I wonder about those guys is are we able to still get down into it with just two people because they can always play off each other and deflect never done that before and they're pretty deflection you know they deflect a lot they do jokes you have the brother who's serious and the brother who's nothing but a cut up as Mm -hmm. my grandma would say (laughs) so yeah that'll be interesting All right, thank you see you next time bye everybody see you later bye bye see you later bye 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 see you later